Welcome to Transformation. This is farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman with the latest edition of this podcast series. Transformation is made possible through a grant from the North Dakota Department of Agriculture and its Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. Numerous resources on dealing with farm stress, farm management, and counseling are available on the North Dakota Department of Agriculture website. In this episode, we're visiting with Linton, North Dakota, Simmental and Dorper Sheep Rancher, Doug Bickler. Doug, you joined Transformation back in 2019, just two years following your accident where you lost your right arm. Give a brief background of, of what happened to start us off. So in 2017, I was involved in a baler accident, um, and I, it resulted in the, the loss of my right arm uh, that needed to be amputated above my elbow. Uh, so I I lost my arm and then um, spent about three weeks in the hospital just recovering from that, returned back home, and, um, and yeah, kind of just had to figure out how to, how to move on from, from that accident. And, and, and it's been going well. A lot of things have changed. Uh, had to go through a lot of changes since then, uh, as you can imagine. And, but it, it's, it's been going, going really well. And so, yeah, in 2017, so I'm, I'm almost this summer, I'll be, it'll be seven years. It's really hard to, really hard to believe that it's been that long, but yeah, we're doing well. And in your talk at the North Dakota Livestock Summit, you mentioned some of the things that you've changed on your operation and have kind of had to mm-hmm. to adjust and just the the thinking outside the box mentality. How has that changed different things on your operation and what's the importance of that? Well, it was extremely important for me to continue doing what I do to basically flip our our management upside down. Uh, I needed to change virtually every aspect of what I did just to ensure that I could keep um, you know being being involved in, in the egg industry and raising cattle and the biggest change we've made is with our cow herd and you know we visited back in I believe 2019 and at that time we that was we, we calved our last cows in February and March that year and then the decision was made to hold off the breeding season and then in 2020 we started calving in May and June and one of the biggest things when you calve in the winter is just the management of your calving barn uh, the weather bedding everything outside you know you just it just requires so much more attention to detail so much more care when those cows are calving and I just I realized that I couldn't do that anymore I had two years worth of calving in the winter. And at the time, uh, my nephew was working for me, and he's since moved on to a career in the AI industry. Um, And so we're talking about cows, so I don't mean artificial intelligence. I mean artificial insemination. (laughs) So so he, um, he's doing that now and really enjoying that. And and so I, I needed a way to be able to continue on by myself basically and you know my family helps me when they can but they're not always here they all have their own you know their own jobs and their own 
own kids and activities and, and it gets busy. And, and of course we have a young family. And so my wife is generally busy with the kids when I can't be helping her. So uh, I, I just needed a way to, to figure it out. And I decided that working with mother nature would be a much better option rather than always bucking the system. And it's proven to be a huge asset to, to how we can do things. It's allowed me to keep ranching, to keep my cow herd that I've spent, you know, the last 24 years building. And that was super important to me. I didn't want to just give all of that up. That's a passion of mine. And it's, I guess, I feel like it's a talent. It's a God-given talent that I have to be able to, you know, take care of these cattle. Not everyone can do that. And I just kind of feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And that was a big reason why I didn't want to give up this way of life. And I wanted to raise my kids in this way of life. So, so we switched to May, June. It's been just fantastic. It, it did all of the things that I was hoping. It really reduced the labor. Uh, I always tell people now, instead of chasing my cows to my calving barn, I chase them away from it when they're ready to calve. Um, they kind of do their thing. We have some small tracks of pasture around the yard so we can shuffle cows. There's always a fresh calving area for newborn calves that is important uh, from a calf health standpoint. We're able to overwinter our cows in one area, and then before they calve, we're able to move them to fresh ground with grass. And, and you know, in May and June, the, the, the vegetation is really nutritious. And so they get all that flush of nutrition in their colostrum, and it's, it's resulted in extremely healthy calves. Um, less dystocia, healthier cows, um, just all the way around. The benefits have been fantastic. Uh, and then, of course, this kind of led to the next challenge of selling bulls, which we do as well. Uh, we can't... It, it. I feel like we ask a lot of our yearling bulls in North Dakota, even the February-born bulls, they go through a lot of stress in their life with the climate. And it's sometimes hard for those bulls to be able to breed cows you know, at, at even 14 to 16 months of age. So now we decided to sell older bulls. We had some friends that were doing that. And so we leaned on them a little bit and asked their advice on how, how to go about doing that. And we decided to switch our February sale to November. And again, we've seen the results of healthier calves at birth have uh, led to healthier bulls at sale time. And it's been it's been a great way to sell bulls. Our customers have been really happy. Uh, it doesn't fit into everyone's management. Obviously, it's a different way of buying bulls, especially up here. But the customers that have, have come to us have been extremely happy with the bulls they've bought. And um, it's it's just, you know, the, the longevity of those bulls is, is even better now just because we're able to develop them longer and slower and they're healthier at birth. They don't have as many issues trying to get through a stressful spring in North Dakota. So that's been a huge benefit as well. As we've, we've talked to people about, I guess I've seen this, this phrase most when discussing, you know, succession planning and that sort of thing. But the, the, the idea that some of the most debilitating words in agriculture are, well, we've always done it this way, so we're going to keep doing it this way. And talk a little bit about, you know, we're, do you feel like you were forced into that? And and you also mentioned a lot about positivity and how that kind of 
ties mm-hmm. into to the decisions that you make and in your everyday life. How do those fit together? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess I've always been kind of wired that way. I've always been an optimistic person. I think it's really easy, especially in the egg industry, to get, it's really easy to get down. It's really easy to look at all the things that are going on. You have things happening. We have equipment breakdowns. We have, you know, when you have livestock, obviously there's times where you'll come out and be surprised that something, you know, you've lost something, um, and, and uh, it, it, it just ruins your day. I mean, it just, sometimes you do everything in your power to help your livestock and it's still not enough. And so those things are super frustrating. Um, and they all kind of seem to heap on at once. And so it's super easy to get down and to feel like you're the only ones going through adversity. Um, I've always been wired in a positive way, but, you know, we all have hard days. I mean, I have my bad days just like everybody else. Um, but I guess I just, growing up, you know, I just always realized that you need to just take things one day at a time because if you just think about everything that needs to get done, all the things going wrong, if you constantly focus on that, then it's really easy to get down and stay there. But if you just think, okay, tomorrow, will this matter tomorrow? Will this matter a week from now? Will this matter a month from now? Um, there's things that we all worry about so much that just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And so if you take care of that day that you're in, uh, it, it really seems to keep propelling you forward. And then pretty soon you've moved out of this bad place and things are good and and you realize that that you get through it. And I think that's really helped me with my mentality of just pushing ahead and just trying to get through you know, days when it just seems like everything's kind of falling apart. Uh, you just, you realize that, you know, 24 or 48 hours, it's all going to be history and it's going to be just fine. So I think just remembering that it, it's just a state of mind. It's a conversation with yourself, reminding yourself, you know, this isn't very fun right now, but I'm going to move out of this and I'm going to, I'm going to be, be fine. I'm going to get to the other side. And it kind of goes hand in hand with thinking outside the box if you feel like there's something wrong with your operation, it's a really good idea to look at other options to figure out how to do things better. And, you know, my whole life I always was taught to work for the animals, work for the livestock. And you, you do it, it requires a lot of hard work. Being in the livestock industry is, is a lot of work. It's, it doesn't matter what type of livestock you have. They depend on you all day, every day. It doesn't, they don't take holidays, obviously. They don't, you know, your listeners know that. They, they require a lot of care. And I just, after this accident, it just forced me to think about how can these animals, how can we work together instead of me always working for them? How can we, how can we do this so that I can continue to ranch by myself and get rid of some of this labor? And my accident required me to do that. I was kind of forced to do that. But I guess I look at that as a super positive thing because it forced me to do that. Most of the time we're uncomfortable with change. And the changes that I have made have been some of the best decisions that I've ever made. And and, and I did think things through. I didn't just jump into it blindly. I, I talked to a lot of different people. I got a lot of different advice. And it was just something that I sat down and, and thought about for a, a long time before we did it. 
And I felt like it was a really educated decision, which I think is, is a good place to be. And things have worked out really well. Um, you know, all the things that I implemented were already being done in one way or another. I just tailored it to what I needed to do for my operation, and it's worked extremely well. So I was forced into it a little bit, but the nice thing is, you know, I feel like people can learn from what I've had to go through to maybe incorporate change themselves and make an ease into it instead of being forced into it, and that's always a better place to be. But I guess that's one reason why I feel like it's important to share what I've gone through because I think a lot of the times change is needed. It's a scary thing, but it can be so rewarding um, if, you know, if you just implement things over time. Uh, I think it's good. I think change is always good. Um, so, so, yeah, it's it's been very rewarding. I've I've allowed more time for myself and my family. We still have some really busy days or weeks or months, and that just comes with the territory, but it's just been so rewarding to be able to spend more time with with my family and and see the rewards of the changes that we've made in our livestock and it's the change has been really good and you you talk a lot about uh or talk to a lot of different people about what you've gone through and and you've mentioned you know the even if you help one person, you know, make a decision that, that improves their lives, you're, you're doing what you set out to do. Do you get a lot of feedback when you're doing those talks and, and having those conversations of, of people that, oh gosh, I can't imagine having to deal with that, or I don't know how I would do it, or, you know, those types of comments. What is your response to that? Or do you hear it a lot? Yeah, I do. It, I actually, um, I actually had to chuckle to myself a little bit at, at, during my presentation just a couple of days ago. There was a couple sitting directly in front of me, and they were listening pretty intently, and especially the wife. And you know, she was nodding her head a lot, and a lot of the things I said were were resonating with her and her husband. And and when I got to the part about adversity and just feeling, you know feeling like you're the only one that's, that's happening to is just really hard today. Um, and then I said, is this going to matter tomorrow? Is this going to matter a week from now? Is it worth all this worry? Is it worth putting ourselves through this? And she looked at her husband and I could read her lips because it was pretty animated, but she just looked at her husband and kind of gave him a thump on the shoulder and she said, he's right. <laughs> and so it's little things like that where just knowing that you're not alone and that um, everyone goes, everyone has hard days, especially in the egg industry. You know, we rely, there's, there's key days of that. We rely on our income for the whole year. A lot of us, even if we sell grain or livestock or whatever it is, there's so much riding on certain days. And sometimes if that doesn't go to plan, it's really easy to get frustrated. And I do get a lot of feedback. I've gotten phone calls on the way home from presentations about people who just want to talk and, I just feel like I've helped these people just kind of have an outlet. They've realized that, hey, we're not the only ones going through something. Um, I don't necessarily give people that, that, you know, some people feel bad for me or feel sorry for me, which I, you know, they sure don't need to do that um, because I, I'm, doing, I'm doing really well. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I, I always say people can see what, what my, 
you know, what I'm going through. You can see it. It's a physical thing. But the mental thing that people go through, we can't see it. And a lot of the times it's a lot, it's a lot worse than what I'm dealing with. And so if I can just help somebody to get through that, provide an outlet, provide just kind of a sense that they're not alone, other people are going through this. And a lot of the questions that I get during my presentation are kind of directed toward that where people just realize, hey, if he can do it, you know, I can do it. If he can get through it, I can get through it. And that's really kind of the goal of when I speak to people. I just want to try to help them get through adversity. I want to, I want, I want them to be on, on, in a better place when they leave the room than they maybe were when they walked in, if they're going through something. So, yeah, if I can help one person to feel better that it can resonate with, then I feel like I've done my job after I've, I've spoken. So that's, that's really why, you know, I'm a busy guy just like everybody else, but I just feel like it's important to share that message because it doesn't, doesn't get talked about enough. Um, especially in the egg industry, you know, mental health is kind of shoved under the rug. And that's really something that I've had to just face head on. And I've kind of been forced into it. But it's allowed me to be more resilient when I'm faced with things that are tough. And um, that's an important thing to, to talk about because it's possible to get to the other side if you're going through something bad. So it's a, it's a, that's a really rewarding part of, of what I'm able to do now. I I know I get those comments sometimes. I sometimes I lost my mom when I was thirteen, and I, you know, mm. you talk about that experience a little bit, and and people are, oh gosh, I don't know how you you dealt with that. And I think humans are a lot more resilient than we realize we are until we have to be. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you get that question a lot, don't you? I mean, they're like, how did you deal with that, or how do you do that? And the short answer is, you have to. You you have to you know, there's still value in what you do. We all go through hard times. But, you know, with me, people always say, well, how do you do that? Or I can't imagine. Or, you know, a lot of people will say, like, if it was me, I would just give up. I would have just gotten rid of everything. And and I just feel like there's value to, to every life. There, there's value. There's I'm still having a very high quality of life. And I've changed things to accommodate that. But I still wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I, I feel like my accident has opened up a whole new world of, of blessings and positive things that have come about. And so it is hard. It, it's not an easy thing to do. And I'm sure in your case, it wasn't an easy thing to deal with that. And, and, and it was really hard to get through that. And some days are probably still hard, but you still have to go on and, you know, you still have to try to find a way to be positive and, and, you know, I'm sure that you really value the time that you had with your mom even more now than than some people who still have their moms and maybe take that for granted. And so in a way, you know, it, it's a positive thing for you to be able to look back and, and really treasure and value your mom. And, and, you know, I'm sure that your relationships with other people are probably better. You're probably more thankful because of that, because of what you've been through. And I see that a lot with people that, that have had adversity. They're they're just more grateful and more appreciative of, of the things that, that they have when they have them. And I think that's a huge blessing when, when you go through something like that, that's really hard. Uh, you appreciate things a lot more. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge benefit to going through adversity. Absolutely. And it's hard to think about, you know, the, you can't really dwell on the, the what ifs or, you know, if that hadn't happened yeah. and that sort of thing, you've got to look at, 
well, I am where I am now because of these certain things. And that's, that's hard to wrap a brain around, but it's also important because like you mentioned earlier, it, it will be okay. Eventually things will work out. It just might take a little bit of a detour on the way there. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of learned that from a young age as well. I mean, my dad maybe conditioned me in a way for that because, you know, if we would lose a calf, you know, you spend all this energy putting, trying to get this calf healthy. And, and sometimes it just, you just, there's not anything you can do. You can't help it. Um, you still lose the calf. And I know my dad would always dwell on that one calf. For weeks, he would just be sick about it. Like, I should have done this or I should have done that. Or, and in a lot of cases, there was nothing you could do. And he used to dwell on that. And, and I learned from an early age that, you know what, we have 100 healthy calves running around it's a much better use of our time to focus on keeping those healthy than it is to dwell on what we don't have anymore. And I think so many times we dwell on that. What don't we have? What do we want? What, and we're missing what's right in front of us. We're missing all of the things that we have and all the things we're blessed with. And, and there's such a, it's a better use of our time to be thankful for what we have versus, you know, let's focus on those hundred healthy calves because we have those and we were, we're blessed to have those. And, you know, let's maybe learn from the mistakes we made with that one calf that we lost, but let's leave it at that and move on because we have to. Yep. And so I know the, the last time you talked with uh, the Farm Network about uh, around the Transformation podcast here, you mentioned the the possibility of perhaps someday getting a, a prosthetic figured out and, and those types of things, mm-hmm. but uh, is is there stuff still happening with that? Are you still dealing with some recovery? And I guess, what are some things that you're looking forward to here? Well, um, to be honest, I, so since then, I, I think I've had three surgeries. I have a lot of nerve pain and I, I have a lot of, um, I have neuromas that develop on my nerves just from being so damaged. And basically what that is, is it's just your nerves are trying to heal, but it was described to me pretty effectively as, as an open circuit. You know, your nerves, there's kind of like a ball that forms on the end of your nerve, your, my nerve endings now that were, that were severed. Um, and they keeps kind of, it's kind of like a scar, but what happens is that the doctor described it to me as an open circuit. It's like when you have an electrical wire, that's just out there, it, it still has a, a current running through it but it doesn't really know where to go. And, you know, if it, if it, uh, if it meets up with, with the wrong wire, you can cause a spark or, you know, there's stray voltage and all these. So that was kind of the metaphor he used. And I would say it's pretty accurate because what's happening is my nerves, they, they never heal properly after a surgery. We try to correct it and there's still that open circuit. And so sometimes it's extremely painful. I pretty much live with pain every day in that arm, whether it's phantom pain or just direct nerve pain. Um, and, and because of that, I don't think I'll ever be able to wear a prosthetic. I was hopeful that I would, but, um, my, my, my healing process is just, my nerves do not allow me to be able to do that. And so I will go on and I've just accepted the fact that I'm going to have to go on just with my left hand, my left arm and hand, and I won't be able to get a prosthetic, but you know, time goes so fast. And I mean, it's been seven years already. And to be honest, I've, I've adapted and just learned how to do things with one arm so much that I honestly think a prosthetic at this point would probably be a huge curve, learning curve again. 
And so my plan is to just move forward without a prosthetic. And I'm kind of sick of having surgery, so I, I really have accepted the fact that, well, I gave her a really good try. We tried three times, three different things, and it's kind of the same results every time. So I basically, I'm okay with the fact that I won't be able to wear a prosthetic, and I'll just move forward with with what I have. And for Bickler Sementals and, and, and uh, your sheep operation, things that uh, you're looking forward to there, you mentioned here before we started recording, you're uh, in lambing, you're doing some lambing right now, uh, just yeah. things on the on the forefront there. Yeah, so um, we raise Dorper sheep, and that's a really relatively to this area. They're really popular basically around the perimeter of the United States uh, in the warmer climates. They're super popular. Um, it's a breed that we've been interested in for a long time, and we were able to get into those in 2019. We are still learning a huge amount about management in North Dakota with Dorper sheep. Um, they are a very hardy, easy-doing, easy-keeping breed, but there are some drastic management things that are different here versus versus you know the warmer states just because of the climate. And so... We are still learning every day. They teach us something. When we think we have them figured out, they throw us a curveball, and that's just kind of livestock in general. But they've been a lot of fun. Uh, we've sold, you know, we sell rams and we sell ewe lambs. Um, we have quite a bit of registered stock. We also have some commercial ewes that mainly are utilized uh, for market lambs that we sell to our customers um, that, that, you know, obviously want lamb for their table, and so we do that as well. Uh, we actually are selling to a few different restaurants in Bismarck now, and that's going really well. So it's kind of just uh, we've kind of hit a little bit of a niche with, with our Dorper sheep, which is our goal. Uh, we don't really want to expand any more than we, we are at right now. We Our goal is to sell everything off the farm here. Uh, so it's basically from producer directly to the consumer, and that's that was our goal, and, and it's been a lot of fun to do that. Uh, yep, the user lambing now, we're just kind of right at the front end, so we have about three weeks. Our January lambing season, I try to keep that as tight of a window as possible just because of the weather, and so we're kind of right in the middle of it, and the weather's been beautiful this year to to do that, so it's been going well. Um, as far as the cattle go, we are actually going to be having our, we're going to be hosting our 20th production sale. We've been doing these sales for, I've been selling seed stock cattle for more than 20 years, but you know, we've actually had a, a production sale uh, where we've sold a larger number of cattle, obviously, through that sale for, for 20 years this November. So we're pretty excited that it's going to mark our 20th sale, and we're, we're going to be gearing. We're already gearing up for that. We've started, you know, you, you always have to start working with your next group of calves uh, a long time in advance. And so basically begins when they hit the ground, and, and so we're moving forward. We have a a really, really nice group of bulls and heifers that we're working working with. And it's as a breeder, it's exciting to to make the decision and make it come to fruition and then see the, the fruits of your labor is, is really a rewarding thing in the cattle business. And it's always fun to, to evaluate those cattle and, and to bring them forward and see how they develop and, and see them work for your customers. It's, it's super rewarding and it's, it's a, a really fun part of our business. Certainly exciting to see how all of the changes have, have worked out for you. And I guess uh, any other final thoughts here that you want to share before we let you go? Yeah, I guess I, I just, to reiterate, I mean, just, yeah, keep your head down, keep going forward and, and do your best. And um, I, certainly I'm, 
I'm always available if someone would like to, if someone feels the need to chat or just to share their story with me or, um, you know, I, I encourage them. I guess I always challenge the crowds I speak to to find somebody that they can, you know, if they're having a hard day, find somebody that they can talk to that's, you know, that's maybe not a family member, just somebody that's kind of not related to the situation and, and can just listen and, and to be that person for somebody else. I think that's extremely important. I'm very fortunate to have a, a really big network of, of people that I can do that with, and they certainly lean on me on tough days as well. And I find that extremely rewarding as well if I can help somebody kind of get through a bad day. So I, I think if we can just pull together as an egg community and make sure that we have that infrastructure in place for ourselves, then we're doing ourselves a huge service, and, and it just helps the tough times. It helps us get through those those things a lot easier. So I, I think we need to pull together a little bit more um, and, and help each other out in in hard times. And, and, yeah, just try to stay optimistic and keep going forward. That's all you can do. And that that was actually, I had thought the question and, and didn't write it down. So, of course, I, it had slipped my mind there. But were there, if you're comfortable answering, were there resources that you reached out to on mental health and dealing with things? Or did you have that that network that you mentioned that you were close to and were able to, to talk to, you know, throughout your recovery and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was extremely fortunate and still am to have, I have a large family. Uh, My family was instrumental in just getting me over the hump and just helping me through. I I just, um, yeah, I'm very, very blessed. I'm a very blessed man to have the family that I have. Um, I come from a large family, so I'm the youngest of eight. And, everybody just pitched in, you know, in my family, we kind of are all wired like that, where if something needs to be done, we jump in and we just help each other and and we just do it. That's how we've always been. And so, so from the start, that's what happened. My family jumped in. I have a a really close group of friends as well that were there the whole time and, and still are. And so I was very fortunate that way. And there was different groups that came together to help me get through um, Farm Rescue was there to help me uh, get some hay gathered. They kind of had a a program where they were hauling hay, and and it was a drought year that year when I had my accident, and so the hay was in short short supply, and people were so generous uh, in donating hay to that program, and some people would even just show up in my yard and and just say, you know, you need this more than we do, so people are so generous in, in times of need, and the North Dakota Stockman's Association was um, super generous with their time as well. A, a ton of members showed up and did some maintenance on my farm. And the North Dakota Semental Association banded together and actually um, uh, purchased a uh, pick of, of uh, Beggar's Diamond V heifer cabs for me in, in there out of Montana. And Beggar's actually donated the proceeds back to us. So, uh, And there was other breeders that purchased that purchased that heifer and and said we're going to do this on one condition it needs to be it needs to go to your your daughter Amelia so my firstborn who was just a newborn at the time and and so um there was so much generosity and just an, an outpouring of support in my community and and beyond that I can't even wrap my head around still and and people are still generous with their time and their help and and I guess that's kind of why I offer you know if somebody doesn't maybe have that in place or maybe somebody's you know, maybe feeling maybe a little bit more alone or doesn't have that network, I always offer to, to give me a call. I'm sure willing to listen because I've been so appreciative of the people that have been there for me that I would gladly do that for somebody else. 
And um, and so that's kind of why I always put that out there, that if, if you just feel like you have no one to talk to, I'm always willing to listen. But I think if, if we can identify those people in our lives, it just makes getting through the hard times so much easier. And, and yeah, I'm super fortunate and super blessed that I have such a huge network and connection that, that I was able to get through, you know, one of the toughest things in my life and, and come out on the other side and, and be doing well. Well, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us here again on transformation. It's, it's great to, to hear the resiliency and, and talk about the, the things that you've dealt with and hopefully get a chance to, to inspire somebody else that's going through a, a difficult time as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on on the program, and and I hope that somebody out there listening that that this a part of this or you know listening to this will help somebody and inspire somebody. Certainly, that's the goal, and and I just appreciate you letting me share my story and and giving me some time to to tell you a little bit about myself. Our thanks to Doug Bickler for joining this episode of Transformation. Funding for this episode was made possible by the North Dakota Department of Agriculture. Visit the North Dakota Department of Ag website for more information from the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. A reminder, you can hear all of our transformation podcasts online at rrfn.com forward slash transformation. As always, I'd like to remind you that help is available if you're dealing with a very stressful situation. Until next time, I'm Whitney Pittman.